Friend, if someone came up to you this week and asked you to name the greatest fight in history, what kind of an answer do you think you would come up with? You know, it's an interesting question if you think about it. What is the greatest fight in history? There's so many different ways you could seek to answer that question. You could answer it from the sports world. You could even answer it from the world of history. Maybe you would pick that legendary boxing match between Cassius Clay and Sonny Liston in 1964, which would ultimately give Cassius Clay, who later changed his name to Muhammad Ali, his very first world championship. How about another famous fight involving Ali, that famous rumble in the jungle in which Ali faced George Foreman in 1974 there in Zaire, Africa. Once again, it was for the world title. Or, family, is the greatest fight when Rocky faced the Russian in Rocky IV? I don't know, maybe your brain is going to migrate away from sports. Maybe you're thinking more about history. Maybe your brain would tell you about the, that fight where George Washington led the American colonies to defeat the British at Yorktown in 1781. Or maybe your brain would tell you about that true story of how the Union Army defeated the Confederates at Gettysburg in 1863. Maybe you're a World War II buff. If you like World War II studies, Maybe you would point to one of the most intense battles ever, the one that took place in Bastogne, France, in the middle of winter. Or what about that awful hot scenario of Iwo Jima in the Pacific? Maybe you're not a sports fan. Maybe you're not a boxing fan. Maybe you're not a history buff. But you watch a lot of TV over the years, and so when you think about classic fights, your brain goes towards those classic comedy sketches where George Jefferson and Archie Bunker used to go at each other on TV. You know, family, there's so many things we could point to when we were asked about the world's greatest fights. But I can honestly say, friends, I think if I had my Bible with me in that situation, I think I would probably open to 1 Samuel and present that legendary battle that took place between a young shepherd boy named David and this mighty giant named Goliath. And friends, what made this battle, this fight, so legendary was not merely, not merely the difference in size or strength between David or Goliath, or even the stakes of these two rivaling nations, but I think what is so legendary about this battle is the way that the Lord God was involved. The way the Lord intervened with His power, with His presence, so that young David could get the victory and that the Lord ultimately would get the praise and the glory from His people. Without a doubt, friends, this famous fight between David and Goliath, it would ultimately be the fight of David's life. But you know what is so amazing is that when we study the Scriptures carefully, we discover how David was prepared for this fight. He was prepared for this fight even before it arrived. And so friends, today in this message that I've entitled, Prepared for the Fight of Your Life, I want us today, friends, to examine a very unique conversation that took place between David and King Saul prior to David going out into this legendary fight against Goliath. 
And family, from this unique conversation, you and I today are going to learn three remarkable principles that can help you and I be more adequately prepared to fight some of these unexpected challenges that come their way in our lives. Friends, I don't have to tell you that this is a challenging world. And all of us throughout our lives are going to come face to face with some really daunting circumstances. And some of these situations are going to feel to you absolutely giant. And they're going to feel like they're threatening to overwhelm you. Maybe it's going to be a health emergency. It might be a a marriage crisis. It might be a fractured relationship. It might be a wayward child. It might be a death in the family. Maybe it's a financial meltdown. It might even be a job layoff. For some of you, it might be even a spiritual challenge where you're continually being bombarded with one particular temptation. And isn't it true that these really difficult situations can often appear out of nowhere? Well, friends, if we want to have victory in those situations, rather than giving in to fear or hopelessness or despair, there are some vital preparations that we need to make right now. How can you and I be prepared to win some of these immense victories where God receives all the glory? Well, friends, as you open your Bible with me today, there's one there in the pew in front of you. You can open it to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. Now, if you're not sure where 1 Samuel is, right at the very front of the Bible, you'll see a table of contents there. And one of the books listed is 1 Samuel. And if you open to 1 Samuel... Just finger your way over to chapter 17. You'll see it in the bold bold text. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And today, friends, I want us to talk about three preparations. Three preparations that can help us be ready for the fight of our life. Three preparations today. Three preparations. Here's the first one. Number one, build up godly character in obscurity. Number one, build up godly character in obscurity. Now, friends, just before we read our key text for today in God's Word, we're going to be looking at this unique conversation between this young boy, David, and the king of Israel, whose name was Saul. Let me just quickly set the stage here for us a little bit, okay? Can I give you just a little bit of the the background? Let me just run you up to the story just a little bit. At this point in history, the nation of Israel is under the leadership of a king whose name is Saul. Here in chapter 17, King Saul and all of his Israelite forces are gathered together for a battle. This impending battle that they're going to fight against another nation's army. And that nation was the nation of the Philistines. And the armies were separated by this giant valley. And there were two mountains and each army's forces were gathered on the mountain sides of each mountain. On the top of one mountain, you had the Israelite army. On the top of the other mountainside, you had the Philistine army. And for 40 long days, the battle had not yet taken place. For 40 days, no fighting has taken place yet because King Saul and his army are absolutely frozen with fear. They are so filled with fear because the champion of the Philistines has been coming out morning and evening presenting a challenge. This man was the champion warrior of the Philistine army. His name was Goliath. And each morning and evening, Goliath would march down in between these two mountains and he would demand a one-on-one gladiator battle between himself and Israel's greatest warrior. Now, this was common in the ancient times. 
This was a common way where armies would often settle the battle. They would choose their greatest warrior, and those warriors would represent them, and the winning warrior would ultimately be the winning army. Now, many of you will remember this famous story of David versus Goliath and how Goliath truly was a monster of a man. I mean, this was a big man. This was a man who would make Shaquille O'Neal seem small, small by comparison. Scripture says Goliath was nearly 10 feet tall. His body armor alone weighed 125 pounds. His spear was over 5 feet in length. The metal tip of his spear alone weighed over 15 pounds. So as you can imagine, these Hebrew soldiers serving under King Saul were not too excited, shall we say, not too excited about going on having some gladiator match against this monster. Well, we're stepping into the narrative now, and the tensions are running high because this stalemate has been just pressurizing for about 40 days and that's when David arrives on the scene. Verse 17, we won't read, but David comes to this scene at his father Jesse's request. Two of David's brothers are enlisted in Saul's army. And young David comes from his father bringing some supplies. David is there to hear this man, Goliath, coming out with his scolding and his shaming of God's people and their army. And David becomes enraged. David becomes indignant. Why isn't anyone going to fight this guy? And David essentially questions the guts of the Israelite army. He says, where's your guts? Why won't any of you go and fight this guy? Well, eventually David's words get around. And his comments cause a controversy amongst the soldiers, and the word ultimately gets to King Saul himself that there's a teenager going around the camp talking some trash about why we're all a bunch of gutless cowards who won't go fight Goliath. And this young teenager, who just five minutes ago delivered some cheese, says that he wants to go fight this seasoned warrior. Well, that's the background to this conversation that then takes place between King Saul and young David. So let's look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 31. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he, Saul, sent for him, sent for David. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Friends, you and I are going to talk now about this first insight, this first secret to David's ultimate victory on the battlefield. King Saul, of course, cannot believe what he's hearing here, how this young shepherd could possibly think that he could win a one-on-one -on -one battle against a man who was essentially a world champion gladiator. 
But friends, David's response is what we need to learn from. You see, family, what we discover here about young David is that David had been building up his character in obscurity. David says in verse 34, look at it. King Saul, you need to understand, I'm prepared. I've been prepared for this day. When no one else was around and a lion or a bear came and took one of my father's lambs, I went after it. Now, friends, would you just stop a minute and let that soak in? David is out in the wilderness. He's got no cell phone. No one else is around. And there's no supervisor looking over his shoulder. David is all alone in this task that's been assigned to him, and yet he still practices his integrity even though people are not watching him. Even though other people are not watching David, David knows that God is always watching him. Yes, David, of course David could have let the lion go. He could have let the bear go. He could have just shrugged his shoulders when one of those fierce animals drug off one of his father's precious sheep. I mean, those sheep were part of the family business. That was part of the wealth of the family tied up in those animals. Of course David could have shrugged his shoulders and said, well... I guess it's just one, but that wasn't David, friends. David was a man of character. David had character, and David did what was right even when no one else was around. David had given word to his father that he would do right by the family, that he would do right by the family business. David gave his word that those sheep are going to be protected, and David was a man of his word. David was a young man, but he had character. His character had been tried. His character had been proven way out in the obscurity of the Israelite wilderness. And so now he stands before King Saul and David says, it's no different. It's no different. It's the same. I'm ready to stand here with the same courage that I stood back there. Friends, here's what we're saying. Godly character, when it's developed in private, that godly character that develops from one's relationship with the Lord, that is the first component that shaped David into a champion. You make sure you get that, friend. It's character first that shaped David into a champion for God. He had character on the inside that had been developing and cooking for years. You know, how many people today that hear the story about David and Goliath, they want to talk about how David killed Goliath with the sling and the stone. Listen, that's not where the Bible puts the emphasis. The emphasis is not there. The emphasis is on David's character, his character, his vibrant walk with the Lord. Guess what? King Saul didn't have it, but David did. What King Saul did not have, David did have. And we need to learn that lesson today, friends. Living effectively for God in this world has to do with character. It's not what's on the outside that counts. It's what's on the inside that counts. It reminds me of a story of a dad who took his little kindergarten-aged daughter to the carnival. And immediately this little girl runs over to the booth and she asks for a, a big pink cotton candy. Well, the dad said, it's okay, honey, and he pulls out his wallet and pays the $5 for this giant bag of pink cotton candy. And the carnival worker hands it down, the girl tears into it, and she starts to open it. And the father looks down and he says, sweetheart, listen, that's a really big bag. Are you sure you can eat all that? I think that's the biggest bag of cotton candy I've ever seen. And she looked at him and she said, oh, don't worry, daddy. I'm a lot bigger on the inside than on the outside. Christians, listen, 
That's what real character is. That's what character is. It's being bigger on the inside. And that's what David had. That's why God was able to use David. That's why David ultimately achieved this great victory. It's because David had a godly character on the inside that was pleasing to the Lord. Isn't it shocking? It ought to be shocking to you, friends, that this little Israelite shepherd, this young boy, this teenager, maybe he's 17, 18, 19, he had more character than the king of Israel. That should be shocking. So let's use this as an insight today. Biblical character, that's the foundational building block we need if we're going to win great victories during the fights of our life. Vitality with the Lord in private. Who you are with the Lord in private is what precedes the public victories. Look in your notes there. I gave you Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. Scripture says there, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. I like that. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. I also gave you Proverbs 3.32. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. So listen, friend, if you want to be prepared for the fights of your life where you can rise up and win a victory with God's help, well, you need to learn this first preparation. This preparation that we learn right from David's experience. Christian, you need to commit right now to up your character quotient. You have got to work on your character, most especially when no one else is around. It's who you are with God when no one else is watching you. That's when you need to be digging into the scriptures regularly. That's when you need to be walking with God in prayer. That's when you need to learn what biblical character is all about and then begin to live it, live it daily in the sight of God. Now let's move on. Let me give you a second preparation today. Second preparation to make, if you want to be ready to win the fights of your life, number two, face up to extreme difficulties. Number two, face up to extreme difficulties. Look with me in our text at verse six. This is still David talking. David says to Saul, your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Now, friends, just a minute ago, we learned one of the keys to David's life, one of the keys of his success was that he built up godly character in obscurity. David really was a man after God's own heart. And that didn't start when he became king. It started way off in obscurity when he was walking with God, even as a lowly, single shepherd boy. David's walk with God was genuine. But we also learn, friends, during this little unique conversation with Saul, David was not afraid of a challenge. I like this. David was not afraid of a challenge. Verse 36, he tells King Saul that prior to this day, not only had David gone head-to-head with the lion and the bear, I mean, honestly, that's, that's enough. I, that'd be enough for me just to tell that story. Just put the period there. How'd you like to tell that story to all your f- coworkers? Yeah, I, I tangled with a bear and a lion this weekend. I mean, just to tell that story, that's a great story. Oh, wow, really, you did? Yeah, I saw that lion. Came face-to-face with him. Yeah, I saw that bear. 
Many of you know many years ago when I was a youth pastor here at Grace Baptist, we had a bear, a black bear, come into our camp while we were camping with the youth group one night. Man, I've told that story for years. That's a great story. Just to say, I saw the bear, I saw, I saw the lion, just to tell that is a great story, right? But David goes further. It's not enough just to see them or, or, or interact with them or encounter them. David tells Saul quite confidently, I killed them. I, I killed them. These ferocious beasts that, that came out of the wilderness, I went and killed them. And I can do the same thing with this ungodly beast called a Philistine. Family, can you imagine what it would have been like for King David, or for David, I should say, if David had tried to impress King Saul by claiming to kill a lesser animal? I mean, just follow me here. If David had said, well, King Saul, I know I can kill this Philistine because one time, back on my daddy's farm, I once killed a goat. I mean, he bleated at me, but I showed him who was the boss. Oh, yeah, and there was the time I killed that prairie dog. He came at me. He, he had little white foams around his mouth. He might have had rabies, but oh, I wasn't going to let that prairie dog get the best of me. Oh, that prairie dog, King Saul, he, he was a tough one. Friends, you know what would have happened there. If David said that to King Saul, he would have been the laughing stock of the whole army. King Saul would have said, boy, get, get, get out of here. Get out of my presence. He would have sent him packing. But what was the truth? David had not only encountered the lion and the bear, not only had he faced up to those extreme challenges, he killed those animals. He killed them. And this fight was about to go down with Goliath, and David wasn't afraid. This wasn't David's first rodeo, as they say. David was tough. David was tough. Think about it. This is ancient times. David has no shotgun. He's got no hunting rifle. He's got no handgun. There are no tasers back then. Dave, what David has as, as a shepherd? He's got a stick. He's got a shepherd's stick that probably had a little crook carved at the top of it that he would use to hike and, and poke a sheep if they got to be a little unruly. But David took a crude little stick and he, and he beat a bear, killed a bear, killed a lion. Family, what I'm pointing out here to you, David faced up to difficult challenges. He didn't shrink from hard things. David's first response wasn't to always give over to whining and pouting. No, David met hard challenges head on. Why? He knew the Lord was with him. David had built up this habit in obscurity of not running from a challenge. And so when it came time in this public arena to stand up for God and to stand firm in the ground when God's name was on the line, David didn't flinch. He was willing to do it. Why? Because he'd done it before. He had faced up to the hard challenges before. And friends, that's the heart of a champion. That's the heart of the kind of person that God can use in this world today. Friend, take a minute right now. Won't you ask yourself this question today? Ask yourself, when adversity comes into your life, what is your typical response? When hardship shows up in your life, some difficulty, what do you typically do? Do you give in to fear? Do you give in to whining? Do you walk around moping, ruining the rest of everyone else's life? Do you give in to complaining? Do you shrink back in cowardice 
even when God's name might be at stake, even when God's truth might be at stake. I'm asking you, when the challenges come, how do you respond? Does your faith stand strong, or do you melt like a stick of butter on the hot stove? Family, in your notes, I gave you a wonderful quote. This is a classic from Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., you know he was this great champion of civil rights in our country, and Dr. King once made this comment, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Friends, that's exactly right. So listen to me. If you want to be prepared to stand firm in the great fights of your life, you need to understand this, friend, that the great victories are often preceded by great courage. And for the Christian, that great courage comes out of great faith. Great faith. Faith in God. Faith in His Word. Faith in His presence. Faith in His promises. Faith that God is going to stand with us and that God is going to do what He says He will do. It's courage informed by faith. There's a true story told about this circuit-riding preacher. His name was Peter Cartwright, and he used to travel around on horseback and fill the pulpit at various churches back in the 19th century. Well, Pastor Cartwright was getting ready to preach at one particular church, and some people pulled him aside, and they told him that the President of the United States was going to be in the service that day. President Andrew Jackson was going to be there in their church during the whole service. Well, in view of the president being there, the leaders and the deacons of this church got a little nervous, and they, they came up to Peter Cartwright, and they said, you know, the president's going to be here today, and so we just would want to ask that you would be careful with what you say and try not to make your preaching too inoffensive. Because, of course, I mean, this is such a great honor. The president of the United States is going to be there in your church. Well, when it came time for the sermon... Reverend Cartwright began his message, and he began to preach and teach from God's Word, and at one point he paused and let this big pregnant pause settle out over his audience. And then he said these words, I've been told that President Andrew Jackson is in the congregation today, and I've been asked to guard my remarks. But what I must say is this, President Andrew Jackson will go to hell if he doesn't repent of his sins. After the church service ended, President Jackson came and approached Reverend Cartwright and he said, Sir, if I had a regiment of men like you, I could whip the world. Christian friend, are you prepared to win the great fights that are certainly coming your way in this earthly life? Do you want to be used by God? Do you want to have some great victories where God gets the glory? Then you got to start now. You got to start facing up to the challenges that God brings your way. You got to face them with courage, but that courage is stimulated by your faith. It's courage that comes from faith. Friend, you need to rejoice that God does often bring some hard things into your life in order to make your faith stronger, to help it grow, to help make it better. God wants your faith stronger. He wants your trust in Him to be deeper. And that's why He often does bring challenges to your life. In your notes, I gave you Romans chapter 5, verse 3. 
Paul writes, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So Christian, let me challenge you today. Stop running home to your sweatpants and your couch. Stop running home to your comfy couch and your sweatpants every time life starts to get hard. Stop texting your friends with all your complaints. Stop with all your awful, dramatic, whining Facebook posts. Stop with all peppering your spouse and all your family members with all your worries about what might happen and what if this and what if that. Friend, you got to choose courage. you got to choose courage. And it has to be motivated. That courage has to be motivated by your faith in the Lord. So find your confidence in your Lord. May your confidence be like the psalmist who wrote there in Psalm 18. It's in your notes. The psalmist writes, For by you, Lord, by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. This God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in Him. Well, so far we've learned. If we're going to be prepared for the fight of life, we need to build up our character. We need to face up to those difficulties. But here's one more preparation we need, friend. Number three, look up to God for help and strength. Number three, look up to God for help and strength. Would you look with me in our text? David's conversation with King Saul in verse 37. Moreover, this is David continuing, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Friend, has it struck you at all how terribly backwards this whole scene is? Do you see how terribly backwards all this is? I mean... Look at this. Back in ancient times, every nation had their champion warrior. Every nation in ancient times looked to their king. He was the guy who was out front leading the troops off into battle. Look to him. Follow him. Follow your leader. Yeah, we'll go out and win. He's our guy. The Philistines were looking to Goliath. He was their champion. They sent him out front. He's going to be this big conquering hero. Well, who was the conquering hero? Who was the conquering king for the Israelites? I'll tell you who it was. It was God. It was God. God was the supreme king over the Israelite people. God was the one who was always winning the victories for the Israelites. Just read your Old Testament. Time and again, it's God. He shows up. He's the one that gives the victories. Well, here we find King Saul... King over the Israelites, you think Saul might have a little faith in God, wouldn't you? You would think that as the king of Israel, Saul would have a little confidence in the power of the Lord. But that's not what we see, is it? Here's King Saul. He's pacing back and forth in his tent, wondering how in the world they're going to beat this giant, and he's been doing it 40 days Now, some of you will remember from your own study of the Bible that the book of 1 Samuel is a book of risings and fallings. Here's a great example. What we're reading today is a great example of why King Saul, why his reign is in this decline. Here's this 
incredible opportunity. Here's this great battle that's going to take place, and here's King Saul, and zero faith in God. Think about it. If anybody should have had the faith to trust in God to give the victory, it should have been Saul. It should have been Saul with the faith that God's going to bring us through this. God's our victor. God's our true king. He's our mighty warrior. God's going to come through for us, guys. Let's just hold on. Let's trust him. Instead, that's not what we see. Instead, we see Saul. He's hiding out in his tent. And his armor and his spear are in the corner. What a coward. What a coward. What a shocking lack, lack of faith by this king. It's no wonder that King Saul was on the way out. But what a stark contrast with David, huh? Here's young David with enormous faith, monumental faith in God. He's got more faith than even the king of Israel. Verse 37, I love how David says it, the Lord, the Lord who delivered me from the lion and the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this giant. Did you see that? David doesn't even take credit for how he killed the lion and the bear. David doesn't even take credit. He gives the credit to the Lord. It was the Lord was the one who delivered me from the lion and the bear. The Lord was the one who helped me, and it's the Lord who's going to help me beat Goliath. You see, friends, here's the point I'm making. David was not looking in at himself. David was looking up. He was looking up to this powerful, awesome God who had come through again and again. David knew God showed up before, and God can do it again. Friends, do you see what incredible faith is here? Is there anybody else in Israel with faith like this? I don't think so. Show them, show them to me. Show me anybody else in the Israelite army who has this kind of faith, who's willing to step up and fight. This is a faith that's so huge, a faith that's so monumental. This is a teen, 17, 18-year-old. He's got enough faith to go and fight this seasoned warrior, a guy who's twice his age and double his size. Well, believers, you know the rest of the story. We're not going to read it all. I would say this is the greatest fight this world's ever known. This is more famous than, than Ali Frazier. All right? this, is, this is more famous than, than Mike Tyson, Buster Douglas. Saul tries to suit David up in his kingly armor, and David has to toss it aside. David says, I can't wear this. It doesn't fit me. I've never tested this. And so with nothing but five stones and a sling and a heart filled with a fiery faith in God, David walks down alone into that valley. And he goes head to head against the world champion of gladiators. And he stands head to head against this guy. And they exchange words, as you know. But there was one place on Goliath's body that was not protected with armor. And you know where it was, right here between his eyes on his forehead. David slings the stone, strikes Goliath in the head. He falls. And with what is truly the ironic twist, David seals this great victory by going over and he takes Goliath's own sword. The sword that Goliath had wielded in so many battles this great sword with which he had such pride and arrogance that he could defeat anyone, David lifts that sword and he uses Goliath's own sword to sever his head from Goliath's body. And David is the victor. But friend, 
we've got to see here, the real hero here is not David, it's God. The Lord God is the ultimate hero here in the story. And it's not David, but God is. David had put all of his trust in God, and God delivered. One Christian songwriter put it in lyrics like this, The victory is mine when the battle is the Lord's. Hosanna, Hosanna. No enemy can stand when his praise goes forth. You know, family, much later in life, David would write a number of psalms that are in our Bibles today. One of them I gave you is in Psalm 20. Look in your notes, Psalm 20, verse 6. Now I know, David says, now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Well, friends, as we conclude this morning, let me ask you, are you adequately prepared for the great fights that are coming in your life? Do you want to be used, friend, to win some great victories for God? Do you want to be the kind of person that God uses to bring glory to Himself? Well, friend, if this is what you desire, though there's some crucial preparations you need to be making now. And we find them on display here in this unique conversation in 1 Samuel 17. So often in our Bible reading, we, we focus on the, the victory that David won here against Goliath, but we forget, we forget that the victory had started long before David ever slung that stone. Why? Because David had been prepared. David had been prepared. He'd been molded. He'd been shaped in those many quiet times and in those many private places. Friends, search your own heart today. Right here in this moment, dear listener, ask yourself, are you building up your godly character even when no one else is around you? Guess what? God is always with you. God's always there. God's always watching. He's right there with you every moment, every day. He's watching. He's concerned about who you really are on the inside, your character. Friend, that's character. And the Bible says character is what counts the most. Secondly, what about your courage? Courage to face up to those extreme difficulties. When the hard things come your way, what do you do? Do you run scared? you frightened about how things might turn out? God wants you to face up to those challenges. He wants you to hang in there and believe that He's with you. That He knows what, what's happening. He's in charge of all things. And the Bible says He's working all things for your good. And facing up to those hard things will build faith in your life. And that faith will then fuel your courage. Finally, are you looking up to God? Are you looking up for help? Look, don't be like Saul. Saul was looking in all the wrong places. He looked out on Goliath. He was terrified. He looked in on himself. He was timid. He looked over at his army. He saw no hope. Saul looked everywhere but the right place, everywhere except up. He wasn't looking up to his God. And because of that primary character flaw, Saul was out and David was in. God would raise up David as the next king of Israel, a man after his own heart, a man, David, who was a champion of faith. But remember, David had built up that faith, lifelong habits of faith 
throughout his career. You know, maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Maybe you'd admit today life's really been beating you down recently. You've been losing all the battles recently. You're discouraged. You don't know where to turn. Maybe you've tried lots of things. You tried positive thinking. You tried turning over a new leaf. You tried some new habits in your life. And, and maybe you think now that going to church is what you really need. Well, listen, friend. Listen. The Bible says that what you need most in life is not a something. The Bible says what you need is a someone. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. Jesus went to the cross. And on the cross, Jesus died the death that you and I deserve to die for our sins. Jesus paid a price there on the cross, the penalty that our sins deserve. And Jesus died there so that we could ultimately be brought back into a relationship with God. It's a relationship that we could never establish on our own, not by our goodness, not by our morality, not by our religious deeds, not by church attendance. None of those things could bring us back to God. No, Jesus had to come. He had to die on the cross and pay the price so that we could be made right with God again. Friend, if God is speaking to your heart today about the needs of your life, if you can see that Jesus is really who you need, well, friend, you could pray something like this. Just simply from your heart, just pray and say, Lord God, I know. I know the answers are not in me. I know the answers are in you, Lord. And I admit today I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus is your son who died for me. And I invite Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And I want to follow him. I want to follow Jesus from this day forward. Friend, it really is something like that to pray. Something so simple from your heart. Maybe I would ask that you would even pray that prayer before you go home today and to invite Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you have more questions about what it means to be a Christian. Well, friend, I'd love to talk to you anytime. We could sit down and share a Coke or a coffee and we could talk more about what it means to know Jesus as Savior. But friends, as we conclude now, I hope everyone will leave here today. I hope all of you will leave this place today encouraged. I hope you'll leave this place a little bit better prepared for the fights that are coming in your life. Oh, sure, we could spend the rest of our day, couldn't we, talking about all those famous fights of the past. We could talk about Ali Frazier, Tyson Holyfield. We could talk about Gettysburg, Bastogne. We could talk about all those famous fights of World War II. But listen, listen. Right outside these doors today, your own fights are out there waiting for you, your own battles. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready to stand strong for God? Are you ready to make a difference for Him when the challenges come? Are you concerned about bringing Him the glory by your beliefs and by your behaviors? Oh, friend, yes, yes, the fight is on, but how you fare in that fight will be up to you. Thanks for listening. This Preaching for a Change broadcast has been brought to you by the Grace Baptist Church of Hazleton, Pennsylvania. For more information, visit us online at mygracebaptist.church. If you enjoyed this broadcast, then share it with a friend on your favorite social media network. And be sure to join us next time for more enlightening and encouraging biblical exposition here on Preaching for a Change.